Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. My name's Clayton Croker. Uh, to my left, we have Justin Anderson. To my far, far right, uh, Patrick Marsh joining us from Nova Scotia. As always, thanks for listening, whether it be on Anchor, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you're listening, really appreciate it. Uh, if you're not following us on the Twitter, on the Facebook, on the Snap Talk, on the you face whatever social media uh <laughs> at bfmd podcast what's up boys how's the week been it's been busy man it was the end of the month and we work in sales month end is a fun time you work like 10 hour days making like 50 60 phone calls a day just talking up the, talking up the prospects it's fun uh-huh. muffin it's a good way to end it no i'm not, I'm not complaining at all it's gonna be okay it's over it's there it's a great week <laughs> okay fine uh patrick are you making as much money as justin or what Oh, probably, probably not with his fancy, his fancy cars and his, I drive his a Ford giant Focus rapper house from he's 2012. A, he's a <laughs> time too, which makes him filthy rich. Clayton by has way, a newer car than me. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, uh, that's the first time in the history of my life that I have ever been mentioned in the same sentence as the far right. <laughs> That was uh, very strange to hear, uh, unless it was Patrick really despises the far right. Well, I meant it as like a geography joke, because yeah. me and Justin are a foot away in our tiny, super small studio. Yeah. You are more than a foot away. It Just wasn't a, a political joke. We never get political on Batman. I was thinking the same thing, though. I was like, yeah, Patrick is definitely not in the alt-right or the far-right. Can you imagine if that's how we started off every podcast? All right, we're going to get to the uh, Jay's infield, but first, let's talk about Bill 48, shall we? Let's talk about it. Let's argue for 45 minutes about something that no one will ever agree on. Uh, Today on the show, by the way, we got some sad news regarding a Blue Jays legend. Uh, More on that in a bit. Uh, We're also going to be diving into the uh, Jays starting rotation. We're not going to look at five guys. Uh, We're going to look at a bunch of guys, uh, some guys who could possibly make that fourth or fifth rotation spot. The top three is basically filled. We'll look at those guys. But we'll also look at some dark horses as well. Um, I don't know about you guys, but... It's been a busy weekend. Saw Jim Gaffigan yesterday. How was that? Jim oh. Gaffigan is awesome. Like he is one of the best stand-up comedians. He had like forty-five minutes of Saskatchewan material, Canada huh. material. He had so much Newfie material. It was insane. Like this guy, oh, oh Patrick, you love it, man. He was just <laughs> going off on the. Can I say Newfies? Is that derogatory though, or is that I have no okay? Idea. I don't think that's derogatory. I think that's something that they call themselves. Someone, I read an article where people in Newfoundland were like, we're sick and tired of Newfies. And I was like, I thought it was kind of a cool nickname, to be honest with you, but. Hmm. I've yeah, never heard I don't anybody know. complain about it personally. I've got some friends from out there. And... Oh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Jim Gaffigan, <laughs> like, go see him if he's anywhere because cool. he has some great Canada jokes. And now I get to MC an event with 900 people, so. Nice. that's uh, That's my weekend, so not your normal weekend. Usually I just sit around and pick my butt, but. Uh, what? <laughs> you picking your you butt? You do what with your what? It's a, it's a, it's a phrase. Just sit around and pick my butt. Mm. It means you're doing nothing. Yes. That I've never heard that before. <laughs> that this is pick your. You shouldn't be doing anything like that. <laughs> and sometimes you just got to give your butt a good picking. Sometimes stuff gets you know just just a little. Uh, Whatever, you know, just got to pick your butt. Again, I don't actually pick your butt. It's just a phrase. You guys have never heard that before? No, I haven't. Just sitting around picking your butt? No. Okay. I've heard, like, sitting around with my thumb up my ass, but. Yeah, see, that's the same kind of thing. Okay. If anything, that's worse. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. You shouldn't be doing anything. Yeah. With your butt. Uh, I'd rather uh, pick uh, my butt <laughs> than have my thumb up my ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least I'm cleaning my butt if I'm picking my butt and getting some well, stuff I'm out sure of there. I'm sure when you pull your thumb out, there's probably something that comes yeah, out Yeah, that's too. very true, yeah. Uh, this is the worst start we've ever had in the history of this podcast. Or is what it we... the best start we've ever that. had? Yeah, I would dispute that hard. Oh, man, this is a, we got Gaffigan, we got, we got all this Thumbs stuff. Thumbs and butts. Um, there's no real easy transition to this, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> let's just get into it. <laughs> uh, Tony Fernandez, Blue Jays, great. Like yeah. I love Tony Fernandez. Um, he's not doing so hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I've, uh, came across this on Twitter yesterday. Um, he ha- he suffers from uh, polycystic kidney disease, uh, which he revealed in 2017. He's in critical condition right now, according to some reporters of the Dominican Republic and also... Uh, the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame also posted it on Twitter as well yesterday too. So this morning, though, uh, there were people were saying that he has slightly improved since the original report. Uh, back in back in like 2017, it was revealed that he needed he was in, in dire need of a new kidney. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if he ever did get that, but so many people, including like folks like Jesse Barfield, who had played with Tony Fernandez, um, have reaching on Twitter like asking people to like, keep him in their thoughts and wishing him well and hoping that he can uh, get through this. He's only 57 years old. so, mm. uh, And he spent the, kind of the, the, the most part of his big league career with the Blue Jays. Um, he does have uh, the club record for hits with 213 in the season. Uh, Vernon Wells surpassed that by two in, tw- in 2003. So he had that record for a long time. He's won a bunch of gold gloves, had three all-star uh, appearances with the Jays. Um, but he was traded for Roberto Alomar and Andrew Carter along with Fred McGriff back in 1990 so he was part of that big trade that really helped the Jays uh um <laughs> get win that 92 World Series and he came back and helped the win in 93 so he was he was a part of that Blue Jays 93 team and I mean he's on the level of excellence I think he's the greatest shortstop in our franchise history I remember when we did our uh, Blue Jays all-time rosters back mm-hmm. in that a long time ago he was my pick at shortstop for our uh, all-time Blue Jays roster so I'm, I'm a huge Tony Fernandez fan I never got to see him play obviously because I was barely zero years old when they won the 93 world series but i have seen lots of old video and just watching those old games over and over again it's uh hoping that he can make a recovery and keep uh keep fighting through this yeah like i i don't remember tony fernandez like with the heyday jays Mm -hmm. but i remember watching tony fernandez for sure and when you think of Tony Fernandez, you think of a couple things. You think of his silky smooth hands at shortstop, but you also think of his batting stance too. He had yeah. a little bit of a quirky batting awesome. stance. I always wondered how he hit the baseball. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, like not only could he hit the baseball, he was a very good contact hitter as well. And just the softest mitts. Yeah. Like you can just tell some shortstops battle the ball. Like they always try to get it right out in front. And that's when you can tell they're battling the ball. And I mean, that's what you're taught to do. But Tony never did that. He just let it come to him, scoop it up, and in one like smooth motion, just yeah, go to he first. Was, he was an unbelievable fielder. Yeah. What do you think when you uh, hear Tony Fernandez, Patrick? Uh, well, I think of him being a World Series champion, and uh, it's too bad he wasn't there for both, but obviously, like you said, that trade was huge. <laughs> uh, he was a great triple hitter. He actually led yeah. the uh, majors. In 1990, with 17 triples, which is amazing. Uh, On top of that, I'll always remember him for hitting the cycle against the uh, against the Yankees. Uh, Do you guys remember that way back? I don't. I don't. Yeah, you're older than us. It was actually when he was a Yankee. (laughs) He hit for the cycle. Um, 
but it was pretty cool to see. Yeah, there was like that one year because after '93. He bounced around. Uh, he went to Cincinnati for a year, and then he went to New York. Then he went to Cleveland in '97. He, he missed '96 because of injuries, yeah. and then '98 he came back to us again for a third time for uh, for two years. Just a great player. Um, th- here's a spicy take for you. I think we should uh, retire the number one, especially if uh, if uh, he doesn't improve. Which we're, I mean, obviously we're pulling. Really hope to see mm-hmm. it. He's a big part of the Jays' uh, peripheral. He's definitely somebody who makes appearances and things like that. Um, but I think it'd be justified for us to retire number one. What do you guys think? I, I don't that. know. I would love it. I don't know. I'd have to sit down and look at the other, you know, like big time Jays names and see, like, okay, does Tony Fernandez fit this? I wouldn't be against it. I mean, who would be against? someone's number being retired yeah. like who would be like oh and that's bullshit like if if you're that person by the way stop it like you got to you got to turn that frown upside down a bit like who cares in the grand scheme of things i just have to take a look at some other names maybe put a couple other names before him yeah but if there's no one else then yeah tony i can't think of anything anyone else on the top of my head who isn't in the jays ring of honor right now that would go in before Tony, or that would deserve to go in before Tony. Right, to have that number retired, yeah, for sure. Nothing comes up on the top of my head, but Tony, we're thinking about you. Um, again, not just a Jays great, but a baseball great. He yeah. had some he had some good seasons in Baltimore, I remember, as well, and he was just, uh, no, he was a really, really good player. Uh, you brought up something that I totally forgot about. I wanted to bring it up like three weeks ago on the podcast. Jesse Barfield's Twitter account. Yeah. Okay, so Jesse Barfield follows us. Yeah, he follows which, everybody. I mean, <laughs> you think like, oh, cool, a former, you know, Blue Jay ball player who was very, very decent following us on Twitter. He follows 34,000 people Yeah, on he just Twitter. follows people back. He's, so a, like, he's really active. My buddy, yeah, that's the thing. It's not like a robot account. He tweets all mm. the time, so it's it's fine. Yeah, it's not like Zach there. Boychuk in the NHL. His wife's always tweeting, too. Yeah, so Zach Boychuk in the NHL well. went on that big following spree, then he unfollowed everyone yeah. to make his following follower ratio awesome, but he never tweeted. At least Jesse Barfield tweets, but I remember my buddy like calls me at like 9.30 at night one day, and he was like, man, you'll never believe it. Jesse Barfield followed me on Twitter. And it's like an inside joke between us because sometimes I'll get like some some country artists or some sports people following me on Twitter just because of my job, and he'll always try and one-up me. He's like, man, Jesse Barfield following me on Twitter. <laughs> and he didn't check his page. He just saw the notification. He was like, man, how sweet am I? I'm like, man, go see how many people he follows. And instantly just... just You just ruined uh, him. Just ruined, <laughs> ruined his day. And then I showed him, yeah, he followed, him, he followed me on Twitter like three months ago yeah. and just ruined his day. So I thought I'd tell that fun little Jesse Barfield uh, story. But yeah, Tony, we're thinking about you. And uh, just some sad news to kick off the podcast. Sometimes that's what we have to do. Well, we went from stupid news... To sad news. Is picking your butt a phrase, uh, to sad news, to now some baseball news. Um, well, not really news. We're just going to be talking about the pitching staff here. Uh, because nothing's really happening after the whole Astro scandal. Things kind of yeah, things kind of push pause down. in the baseball world for a while. So um, this Blue Jays pitching staff, I notice one of the names that we don't have on here is Nate Pearson. Mm-hmm. So are yep. you guys saying that Nate Pearson? There's zero chance he has um, zero chance to make this starting five. Out of at the start of the season, yeah, zero chance. But. Um, Pending health and other things, he should be up by midsummer. I'd say June, July, mm-hmm. if he's pitching well. 
in uh, AAA. We'll kind of see what they did with Vladdy, where they will keep they'll keep him down for service time. And obviously the guys like Cavan, they've called him up a little bit later than that. But uh, I think he'll be here. Um, the projections have him pitching in. Well, Steamer doesn't think he's going to pitch in the big leagues, but ATC is another projections system that thinks he'll pitch in in eighteen games, nine of them being starts. So that kind of puts him up in July or August, according to them. Yeah. So. Patrick, you don't think he's going to be with the with the big squad to start the year? Well, when I started to pull these stats, I looked at the depth chart and I was trying to think about what players are are actually going to get like more than two or three starts this mm-hmm. year because it would kind of help to pare down the list. Otherwise, we'd have like 15 names on this list and the episode would be like three and a half hours long and it'd be like watching Schindler's List. <laughs> <laughs> Although we're probably a little bit funnier than Schindler's List, uh, just a little bit though, just a wee tiny just a bit, tiny bit, yeah, smallest of fractions. Yeah, but I mean, um, Sean Reed Foley isn't on this list, uh, and Nate Pearson isn't on the list, and did I put Anthony? Anthony K is on oh, the yeah. list. Yeah, Anthony but K I mean, is on the list. I tried to pare it down, and I know there's guys you're not going to want to talk about Clayton. <laughs> like Jacob Waggis back. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I was trying to keep it semi-realistic. I don't know if Nate's going to get called up before September. Uh, if he comes hot out of the gate, we might see him sooner than later. But I still think he's a September call-up at best. I'm just throwing this out there. I agree. He is a September call-up player. But what if we don't have an option? Because mm. Ryu has some injury history Tanner Rourke shoemaker they're also kind of iffy on the fence injury guys Chase Anderson like what if all of a sudden our starters stop dropping like flies we gotta call him up like he's our best pitcher in the system I mean I know we don't really have a lot of great other triple-a guys I mean Waja's pack and Zoic and K I guess but like why not give him a shot early on in like the start of the year and then send him down do like what they did with Halliday like, hey, bud, like, you know, you're a young stud. Let's pitch for a while. Mm-hmm. And if it goes well, it goes well. If not, well, let's just go back and work on your mechanics, and we'll we'll try for the summit tomorrow. No? Yeah, I'm just pondering that. I'm just looking back. If at... we get into injury trouble. Yeah. If we, if we don't get into injury trouble, then, yeah, I agree. Start him in the minors. But what if two starters go down in spring training? I still don't think he starts at the big club just because of service time. I think if we, there are okay. a couple injuries, I think we give them a shot. Right. Especially if they're minor injuries. I'd love where to see it, don't get me wrong. Like, it's like a two-week period where he starts in the big leagues for two weeks, and maybe he belongs, and maybe he's just a, a stud. Or maybe he just needs to work on his mechanics. We send him down if we get some injuries in our rotation. Mm-hmm. I don't think we yeah, should but, start him there, but with injuries, would you call him up? Clayton, you'll see by our list here, once we actually get into it, uh, the further down you get in the depth, chart it's not going to make that much of a difference nate pearson getting called up and logging innings and like blowing some service time uh with the jays it just doesn't really make sense there we've have enough replacement level players already and i'm not saying that nate pearson won't be a great pitcher by all accounts you know he's our our blue chip prospect in the pitching pool uh alliteration aside i just don't think it makes sense for us to pay attention to what his steamer projections are when we have like 10 other guys we have to look at. Yeah. Right I want to see him now though. I don't want to wait. I hate yeah. waiting. Outside of openers, the Blue Jays used 15 starting pitchers last year. Outside of outside of the guys who like open games like not counting like Wilmer Font and yeah. like Daniel Hudson opened a game. Mm-hmm. Derek Law opened a couple of games like 
15 starting pitchers pitched a game mm-hmm. for the Blue Jays last year, or started a game for the Blue Jays. I'd like to see Nate Pearson, I'd, one of those 15 guys. I think we'd have to go two, through 15 guys before they'll call Nate Pearson up to start the season. I don't like that. I, think I don't him, like I, it either. I, I think uh, we should get him some MLB experience. Like, well, he's going to get it. Smoke. Oh, don't worry. He's going to get it this year. Early in the year. Nah, he was not going to get it early in the year. Early in the year, though. There is a like 0.001% chance Nate Pearson makes the big league club out of spring training. I hate that. I just hate that. Yeah, well, thank the CBA, Clayton. I hate that because he should be. <laughs> I think he should be with our team. He's better than all these guys. Like just looking at how he throws and looking at his stats and you know how high he is in the prospects. Like he's better than these guys. Like he's better than Walsh's pack. He's well, well, yeah, definitely better than those guys. But like uh, the guys like Ryu and oh Roark yeah, he's not better and, than Ryu. Oh no, no, yeah. I'm saying as our fourth or fifth guy for the start and just get him some experience. Yeah, but. definitely. I think he he just in the top five of guys that we have in the system, mm-hmm. like in the whole organization right yeah. now but just, that's not going to make a difference i wanted to bring him up because i just saw he yeah. wasn't on this list and that's like just off the top that's why he's i was going to say list. something towards the end too people are probably wondering where nate pearson is well here's why we're but. starting with nate pearson because i have a huge man crush on nate pearson uh let's get into it patrick you start with the old ace that we got in the offseason yeah i mean this is probably our most exciting pitcher on this list and everything after this kind of doesn't matter as much but uh Hyunjin Ryu uh, had an amazing season last year where he led the league in ERA. And by league, I mean all of MLB, 2.32. He had excellent stats as far as uh, his his strikeout rate was 8.03. He only walked 1.18 per nine, uh, gave up 0.84 home run per nine, uh, left 82% of uh, base runners on base. Uh, he was able to generate 50% ground balls. That's pretty dope. Um, there's really not a lot to complain about here. Uh, steamer projections have him falling off a massive cliff, and this will be a recurring theme that you see with steamer projections. Uh, for the rest of the episode, they have his ERA almost doubling uh, up to 4.26 in 2020. Uh, he's projected to go 11-11 and in 31 starts for the Jays. Uh, still pitched one, uh, 186 innings, which is great. Uh, F4 2.9. These are these are good things. I think Steamer is dramatically uh, un, or, uh, underrating Ryu's impact on the Jays, uh, but I'll kind of defer to Justin a little bit on that. Um, there's going to be a lot of competition for him to face. He's going to be thrown out there every time we play the Yankees or Red Sox. Uh, the Rays, so he might get shelled a little bit. It's hard to say, but I think that uh, I think expecting 15 wins from this guy is pretty reasonable. Hmm. Yeah, I, I know the steamer projections are always quite harsh on pitchers in the AL East and on pitchers who uh, pitch in hitter-friendly ballparks as their home field. Those are two things that Hendren Ryu has going against him as he moves from uh, Dodger Stadium into the AL East. Dodger Stadium is not a pitcher's park either, and he did a great job pitching there last year. I was looking at his home road splits uh, the other day, and yeah, very, very good numbers in uh, Chavez Ravine where the ball just kind of flies out there in outer space. Um, I, I'm with you, Patrick. I think expecting 15 r- wins isn't unreasonable. I mean, he only won 14 with the Dodgers last year, obviously missed some time in the year. And you know how I feel about wins as a stat in general. I think he beats the ERA projections. Uh, I think it's going to be somewhere in the in the high threes. Um, and I think the rest of the numbers are pretty pretty accurate in terms of what I would expect from him moving into a division that has like three 
very good lineups and also having to play teams like the Twins who are loaded, the White Sox who are now loaded, um, the Angels who are pretty loaded now too. The American League is going to be a it's going to be a shit show. It's going to be a oh, dog yeah. fight this year. I'm looking really looking forward to how many home runs these teams are going to hit. Um, but I think we're used definitely. Yeah, he's definitely going to see some drop off, but Steamer's pretty dramatic here. So I'm hoping that these numbers aren't what they turn out to be. Yeah, we need an ace. Yeah. We got an ace. This is a huge move by the Jays. Like mm-hmm. huge. I think one of the more underrated moves of the offseason in Major League Baseball because there were some big offseason oh, yeah. acquisitions. This one kind of flew under the radar because the Jays didn't have an ace. We got rid of Strowman and he was the only kind of ace material kind of guy. Yeah. Even though he wasn't really truly an ace. He's more of a number two guy. But Ryu gives us that ace and every team needs mm-hmm. an ace. Also, I think I realized something, Justin. You're a baseball stat hipster. So every popular stat and every cool stat that the majority follows, you hate. And all the underground oh, stats, like the them. XFIP just, and the F War, those are the hey, stats you love. Patrick, put the sheet together. Man, you're the stat hipster. <laughs> uh, you're the I, stat hipster. I am. Well, dude, you should see like teams are hiring analytics people now. Oh, I'm aware. Yeah. It's in the news a lot. The old stats are dead, man. I know, but that's the thing. See, that's what a hipster would say. Oh, <laughs> oh got, man, man, that club's dead, man. Guys, it's a dead uh, scene, man. If you guys saw it on Twitter a couple weeks ago, but I kind of got into a little bit of a debate with people who were trying to say, because MLB had posted the projections for like league leaders this year, so they posted like uh, stolen bases, home runs, and batting average leaders, and everyone mm-hmm. was like, why are you posting batting average? <laughs> Post something better. Oh, like, boy. So I, everyone was kind of getting into it. I was like, you know what? It's It's batting average is like a weird stat to like gauge total value by but it's mm-hmm. still very important like if a, guy, if a guy has a batting average like if a 330 you know he's getting on base at at least that clip so his on base is probably near 400 or better so you know he's a pretty good player but like if it's if he's just hitting singles every time and there's no doubles no no home runs he's not as valuable as a guy who hits 250 but hits 50 home runs so don't even know why I brought it up. Let's yeah, move on. Just want to don't want to get into that too much. Next We're pitcher, not Tanner Rourke. Stats. Uh, Tanner Rourke. When you look <laughs> at his 2020 projected stats, ugh, not great. Like they no. were kind to him in the projected stats. Uh, Patrick, what are your expectations for Tanner Rourke? Um, exactly what his stat line was for 2019. I'd be completely satisfied with that. Uh, the idea of him getting 31 starts makes sense. He's probably only going to miss maybe one or two starts the whole year. 165 innings pitched last season. Great. 4.35 ERA. I wouldn't say that's great, but, you know, for the Jays, that's a great steady presence mm-hmm. uh, in the rotation. Uh, 10 wins. That'd be great. I, I would be really happy with that. He's got to work on control. Uh, his walk per nine inning started to creep up last year. Finished off the year at 2.78. Not wild on that, and in a home run uh, fiesta that is the AL East, I just I don't think it's a good idea to be walking a lot of guys. Um, he he had a very impressive year though, uh, despite the fact that uh, he did have a lot of runners on base. Uh, he left seventy eight percent of them on base. I like that. That's kind of a good number to have the higher the better obviously um Mm. this is a great number two guy he's gonna log a shitload of innings for us 10 wins is great two f war is great i'll take it just great it's huge huge great wonderful yeah no um tanner roark is a perfectly good pitcher to acquire for the jays who are in need of guys who are durable he's made at least 30 starts in the last four years which is something we drastically need. 
because Ryu does come with a lot of question marks around his health, if he can actually stay healthy for a full season. He kind of did it last year, but he still had some injury time. Um, Rorik's a guy who is probably going to go out there and, and, yeah, throw 180 innings, make 31 starts again. These projections, to me, seem that they're pretty accurate. Um, I like his numbers. I don't have a problem with, with if with, if the walk numbers are under three for me in, for nine innings. I think that's pretty solid. It's one every three innings. It's not bad. That's pretty From good. From your number two, that's great. Yeah, and, I mean, Tanner Rorik on most teams is number four. Exactly. So, I mean, for us, I mean, I'll take it. We don't have the best uh, infield defense. Uh, on the left side with, with uh, Vladdy kind of being a black hole over there, but we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully he's better this year. We're not here to talk about that today. Um, but Tanner Roark does a pretty good job of limiting limiting hard contact, which is always a positive. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. I think the projections are pretty solid. He looks like a guy who just gets in trouble for a couple innings. He's solid yeah. for three and then gets in trouble. Looking at his ERA where it's 5.14, but yet he's not walking that many guys. It just shows me that this is a guy who maybe puts it together for four innings and then the fifth inning, it all kind of falls apart. It kind of has you. Like, oh, yeah, I'll cruise through four and then give up a walk and a home run. Yeah, because he doesn't like give that, up right? that many home runs either. No. 1.72, 1.72 home runs per nine innings. That's yeah, not bad. But Good it just projection. looks like, yeah, like, he looks like he's solid. He just can't put it all together consistently for a full game. Yeah. But is he our number two or is Matt Shoemaker our number two? The next guy we're going to talk mm-hmm. about, his projections for this year also not great. His ERA is around five, his FIPS around five, and his walks per nine is around 2.73. That's not terrible, but not great. But those are his projections for this year. Yeah. I thought his projections would be a lot higher. Considering he, I know he was hurt last year and he only played five games and whatever, you know, but he proved a lot last year. Yeah. Big injury, but sure, yeah. the The reason that his projections for this year are not kind, obviously, health. Uh, this is like his third or fourth major injury he's coming off of. The first one to his knee, though, which is, I guess, maybe a good thing. It wasn't his arm this time. Um, yeah. The reason that the projections are not kind to him is if you look a little bit deeper at what he did in those five starts last year, he did a really good job of getting lucky. Uh, opponents batting average on balls <laughs> in play was only one eighty three. So yeah. they, they were not getting hits off of Matt Shoemaker. He was keeping the walks down, though, which was great. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you look at his ERA, yeah, 157, but the XFIP, which it puts into play, like, a bunch of luck-based and park-adjusted figures, 4.46. So, like, three times what his ERA was. Gee. So that's that's why the projections aren't kind. I do think Matt Shoemaker probably has about a 4 ERA, a little bit better than these projections, and hopefully he can make those 24 starts because that would be a huge bonus from a guy who we only get five starts starts out of last year. Yeah, so Patrick, do you think that these projection numbers are right, and do you think that Shoemaker could maybe be our number two, or is he right at number three? Um, I'm satisfied with him being at number three just because I see the number two spot in the rotation as being like the workhorse. Previously, the number two spot uh, did belong to uh, Marco Estrada, and um, we don't have to rehash how much I love Marco Estrada. Um, I think Shoemaker has better stuff, uh, than what, you know, these, the steamer projections say, but the, the reason why they're so harsh is like what Justin said, he's coming off an injury. So he's has a lot to prove before we kind of say, okay, yeah, he's, he could be relied on. Um, even though he did. Uh, get very lucky last year. I do think that uh, it was a good indication of what's to come from him. I think he'll overachieve this year. We've already kind of called our shot and said comeback player of the year, and I don't want to back down from that, so I'm going to double down on that. 
I'd be thrilled if we could get uh, 20 quality starts from him. And you know what? Another 10 winner uh, kind of makes sense to me. I, I mean, he'll probably lose more games than he wins just because he's going to have to rely on a defense that is probably bottom five in MLB. So I don't know. I'd be happy with 1.3 F4 from him. And uh, as long as he can uh, limit the limit the muffins, limit the walks, uh, he might overachieve. I think him getting hurt last year may be one of the better things that happened in his career because, again, like you said, it was his first knee injury. He had three pretty major arm injuries before that, so he had a whole year of yeah. basically no throwing. And he hadn't had that in a while where it's like he's either pitching through a little bit of an injury or he's rehabbing his arm or he's working to get back to form. It's a lot of work on your arm. Then he blew his knee out, just sat around. His arm just rested up. Yeah. So I think maybe taking last year off and not having to rehab his arm, just kind of giving his arm a break, I think he, it could do some wonders for him this year. That's something that not a lot of people are talking about. Uh, this next guy, Chase Anderson, I was really excited when we got him from Milwaukee in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went 8-4 last year. Uh, his ERA was a little high, but apparently we don't care about ERA on this show. Um, his <laughs> XFIP was 5.26. I'm just hipster over here. Don't worry about it. Um, and uh, home runs per nine, a little high, but not like overly high does walk some guys though. Um, Patrick, what are your impressions of chase Anderson? How's he going to help the squad? I think he's going to be a great number four guy. And as long as he doesn't get injured and he's able to kind of be consistent, it'll kind of be like having another number two guy. Uh, and that he'll be a steady force for good, uh, within the rotation. Uh, I think these projections are very harsh, especially the 1.93 home runs per nine. That is, very high. That's a lot of tacos to be given up. Uh, I get it. It's the AL East. I get it. They have to be harsh. But I think Chase Anderson's going to have a great year. Uh, he, he, I like his stuff. I like his consistency. Uh, we didn't really give up a lot, did we, for Chase Anderson? Did we give up anything, really? Nope. Remember? He was a free <laughs> agent, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was he a free agent? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, I, for some reason, I thought we traded for him. I don't know why, but yeah, I think he's going to have a solid year for us, and he's going to be another mainstay. Um, you kind of alluded to it before, uh, Clayton, about uh, Tanner Rourke making a lot of mistakes come the mid-game, and I think that's something that Chase Anderson is also guilty of. He got lucky last year and that he was able to escape some of this. Uh, he's a good escape artist, and I like those kind of pitchers. Hmm. Yeah, for me... Excuse me. Looking again at the at the batting average on balls in play, 266 last year. It's a little bit alarming, um, considering league average is about 310 on balls in play. So uh, maybe he just gives up weak contact, and I I hope that's the case. I didn't have a chance really to look into his contact stats too much. I do like this guy. I think if we get five innings out of him in a start, that is like that's great. That's mm. a successful start. So I I mean, ideally he's a number five guy maybe even number six on most teams at this point in his career. But I, I do like him. I think he's got potential to beat these projections, but it would not at the same time shock me to see him sitting right around five and a half for his ERA. He's got to stop walking, guys. Yep. Like that's... Oh, yeah. He can't He can't let that get up in the Rogers mm-hmm. Center, that's for sure. Like He chucks. Like He's got good stuff, yeah, and he throws hard. Stuff. But yeah. like it's just like if you start losing your control and you're that kind of pitcher, it could be a long mm-hmm. day for mm-hmm. you. Because when, mm-hmm. when a guy like Chase Anderson's locked in, he can go seven innings easy. 
But it's just when he starts walking, guys, where it's like, oh, boy, his pitch count's getting up. He's probably getting pretty tired. Um, I think we can all agree those four guys are in our rotation no matter what. Ryu, Rourke, Shoemaker, Anderson. We can all agree on that, right? This is where it gets interesting. Who the hell is going to be our number five guy? <laughs> yeah. Like, Do we just go with four guys and then just pick a name out of a hat and throw all these guys in the bullpen for long relief and just be like, yeah, you'll get the start today at five, whatever. Like, I, I guess the top guy would be Trent Thornton. Like, if there, if we had to pencil it in right now, if opening day was tomorrow, Trent Thornton would probably be our number five. Yeah, and for me, like, you brought up a four-man rotation. I was I was thinking of bringing up a six-man rotation, Ugh. just based on these kind of these like these arcs, the Thorntons, with our injury concerns too, with everyone. Maybe not the worst idea yeah. actually. Now I think about it's it, it's like you, you could give a guy like Vegas Pack or K a chance to start, or even T.J. Zoic, who we'll talk about in a moment, um, at the start of the season, and kind of say, okay, maybe uh, we'll start with six guys in the rotation, and wh- whichever guy sucks, we'll. Punt him into the sun. But after seeing him <laughs> last year, Patrick, and seeing his stuff, like, Trent Thornton didn't earn a job in our starting rotation with his play last year, I thought. Like, I thought looking at his play last year, it was like, okay, you know, like, I know this is kind of a stopgap year and you are coming back, but I didn't think that he deserved the number five spot. I think he's just getting it by default. Do you agree, Patrick, or do you think that he deserves a shot in the rotation? No, I don't agree at all. I actually think that. Uh, Trent Thornton was put in an absolutely ridiculous situation uh, for a young player to be thrown in. Uh, 25-year-old rookie being handed the ball and being like, congratulations, you're replacing Matt Shoemaker as our number two or number three guy. Have fun. And he went out there and he started 29 games. And yeah, there were a bunch of games where he looked like shit. But there were also a lot of games where he was chucking gas. And he has it. He has the, the gas. And he has the tools to be an effective pitcher. Uh, his curveball improved tremendously in the back half of the season uh, after working with uh, Clay Buckholes. Uh, so shout out to Clay for doing that. Um, but man, his BB per nine three point five six that is <laughs> very alarming. Uh, that's like Shelby Miller levels of disturbing. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Shelby Miller no longer pitches in MLB. So. Uh, Steamer projections have him dropping that BB per nine down to 2.90. The rest of his numbers, for the most part, stabilize. They stay stay around the same. And if they do, I think we can expect uh, a a solid, I don't know, somewhere between 100 and 130 innings from Trent Thornton. I'd be satisfied if he started about 15 games uh, and maybe made appearances in an additional 40 uh, as a relief man. I think he'd be, he is our, quote, sixth man as in he gets the spot starts uh and because we're going to talk about who i think will make uh the rotation as the fifth guy coming out of spring training but he'll be our sixth man quote unquote but he's also going to be that guy that we throw in there for the fifth and sixth Hmm, that's interesting i don't know i'm, I'm sitting here looking at these numbers and for me i, I think he does deserve to at least get a chance in the rotation at the start of the season uh, obviously the situation last year was as Patrick alluded to kind of an impossible situation but I think that there is some potential here um, the numbers at the end of the year were, were better than they were in the middle of the season he started off kind of strong then had like a bit of a 
downturn throughout the middle months of the season, but then finished quite strong, I thought. Putting it very nicely. Yeah, a downturn. But he also got a little, he got hurt for a while there, yeah. which was probably yeah. just a result of him pitching in high-stress situations against the best hitters in the world. So um, I, I do think we'll see him in the rotation. I don't know how long he stays there, though. He's probably the guy who gets the boot when Mr. Pearson comes up, mm-hmm. based, unless he is out-pitching one of these other guys that we've already talked about, uh, which which isn't impossible. Um, but like, I think the projections are accurate. I mm-hmm. think that's what's, what's going to happen. We'll, we'll see him transition into the bullpen at some point. Mm-hmm. See, again, the baseball guy in me knows that Trent Thornton being a number five guy, that's the right decision. Yeah. Letting him play out the start of the year and letting our young guys come up and take over after him. Mm. But like the diehard Jays fan yeah. inside me also says, this guy is not going to be on our baseball team next year. Like We're not going to keep Trent Thornton around, I don't think. I, 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 unless he kills it this year. But last yeah, year he didn't really show too much, so why not throw Nate Pearson in there? That's my only thinking because, like, again, I think Trent Thornton, you're right, Patrick, he has great stuff. And he can chuck it, but like the consistency, I just don't think is there. Yeah. And he misses a lot and he walks a lot. And it's like, okay, we got some guys coming up and maybe he's not our guy, but he is still only 25. Mm-hmm. I, I like playing devil's advocate going back and forth because he is only 25. He has great stuff. Yeah. But I just think that something's just missing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I know. Like we could sit here and talk about Nate Pearson all day versus and over most of these guys. But I think just the biggest thing that I come back to when I look at Nate Pearson is that the guy only pitched in 100 innings last year after pitching like a total of like 22 innings in like the two years prior to that. So it's like he still has like zero miles on that arm in terms of like usage mm-hmm. and he's got to build up that endurance. Like we, he made three starts in Buffalo at the end of the season in AAA. But they were all And they were all awesome. great. Oh yeah, they were all great. Yeah, I'm not saying that he's he succeeded at every level he pitched at last year. And like mm-hmm. he exceeded expectations at every level last year. I just think the yeah, the baseball fan of me too, I want to see him as soon as possible. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. My thing is I'm thinking about 5 10 years from now. I want Nate Pearson to still be doing well for our team. And I think the best thing for his career is to build him up another season in the minor leagues because he needs to pitch like 130, 150 innings of like good baseball this season. He's had another 50 innings what he pitched last year. At but least. I want to see him yeah. now. I know. Oh, geez, there goes my keys. Good. <laughs> I got Clayton's, angry. Clayton's smacking the desk over here. But uh, uh, Clayton... yeah, I don't know. I think he pitches in AAA this year. Oh, I, don't I know. Again, him. I know he will. Again, I'm just playing the devil's advocate of the oh, diehard yeah. Jays fan, being like, let's see him now. Hey, he's better than these we're guys. All, we're all on your side with yeah. that. Like, no one, none of us are saying he's not better than these guys. It's just a matter of the fact is, like, he just needs some more time so to. I hate about baseball sometimes. Build up endurance. It's a long season. We saw Vladdy get tired last season and he went being a thick yeah. boy. Well, Nate, Nate's, Nate's, Vladdy was also he, grossly but, overweight. But he's not throwing 100 year. miles an hour <laughs> either, which is a really, really stressful on a body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else on Thornton? Or are we moving on to Walsh's pack? Well, I. I want to get just get back to uh, something that Justin said in passing that I think we really need to take into consideration, especially with these young pitchers, is that Trent Thornton had to pitch in a lot of extremely high-pressure situations, and he was probably overthrowing a lot, especially around that midpoint in the season where he was struggling to keep guys off the base paths. You remember he'd walk like two guys in a row, Someone to get a single, uh, you know, and then a double or whatever, and it was just, it was just a shit show. That a number of different like times Vietnam for him. Flashbacks right yeah. now, thinking about last season. The, what and Clayton <laughs> to refer back to what you were saying, he's missing something. Problem is, he has one plus pitch. As of last year, I would say he has one plus pitch. He has a great fastball. 
Yeah, his curveball is pretty good. His curveball is getting there. I don't know if I would say that it is a a plus pitch or you know like a great pitch right now. We'll see what it's like in 2020, but he doesn't have that second weapon yet. And that's the thing is like he, he's not no Syndergaard throwing 100 fucking miles an hour uh, every time he throws a fastball. He's got gas and he has some technique and he's got some movement. But the thing is, you can't go out there and chuck the same pitch 55 times in a row. Because mm-hmm. you're going to get a... it up. You're going to you're gonna toss a couple muffins in there. If they ever wrote a movie about my life, the title would be He's Got Gas. He's Got Gas. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have been throwing out the, the high-stress situation excuse for some guys here. I don't know if I like that excuse. Because these, these high-stress situations... They're not going anywhere, no, guys. No, they aren't. The Boston Red Sox aren't going to stop spending <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars. The Yankees aren't wow. going to stop bringing in these big-name free agents. The Rays farm system isn't just going to stop finding these awesome gems that turn into MLB All-Stars. Like Our division's going to be tough forever. So we got to get guys that can pitch in these high-stress situations. They're yeah, not going anywhere. There's a difference between throwing, them, like, throwing these young guys to the wolves and having them get lit the fuck up in their first season of play, and then there's like, hey, let's build up by having them come out of the pen. Set them up for success. Remember when Aaron Sanchez first came up? We set him up for success by having him pitch out of the bullpen, and he was excellent out of the bullpen. And then all of a sudden he had one great season as a starter, and then we put the world expectations on his shoulders, and then we were all pissed off when he it all went to shit. I disagree. And we he, coddled him. We helicopter parented him in the bullpen, and then we're, we 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 surrounded him in this bubble, and we're like, no, everything's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. And we're like, okay, now you're ready for the rotation, and he crashed. I can just see that. Throw him to the wolves. If they beat the wolves, then you can stay. I can just see an article on the Onion. Helicopter parents have taken over baseball, and that would be like the the topic. These all these putting these kids in the bullpen, and how these managers are just helicopter parents. Helicopter That'd be hilarious. Parent. Throw them to the it. fire. Trial I love, I love by that, fire, baby. I love that comparison to helicopter prove parenting. That's you gotta great. prove it, man. Prove it right off the bat, and if not, get the hell out of here. <laughs> I'm joking, of course, but again, I agree with you. But I, I just again. Uh, I want to. I just want to see Nate. That's what it all comes down to. Yeah. <laughs> really, uh, well, I'll just pack. He's our sixth guy. He's our long relief guy, spot starter guy. He's a long relief guy. Um, at best in his career, he's a long relief guy. That's all I got. Patrick, anything on uh, Mr. W? I like Jacob Waggis pack. I like the stuff that he has. Um, his control is a serious issue. Uh, I love the idea of him being a fifth and sixth inning guy, just like Trent Thornton, and that's probably where Waggis pack will end up. Um I don't know, man. I, I'm worried because he's got – I don't know how to say this. He has like two average pitches uh, in his fastball and then a secondary pitch. I don't remember if it's a curve or if it's a slider. I don't remember. But um, he's not going to start a lot of games for us. We need Somebody has to go to the bullpen. Some of these guys have to go to the bullpen because our bullpen is atrocious. So if we can have competent pitchers go into the bullpen and learn how to be, you know, effective for an inning or two, can you imagine a bullpen full of guys in their early to mid twenties? That's, that's how you set a team up for success. That's what Kansas city did. Do you remember Mm -hmm. Kansas city, the Royals, their bullpen was what won them the world series back in uh, 2015. And that was how they were able to beat us as they had such a strong bullpen uh, and a bunch of guys who had spent their careers just 
perfecting the art of coming in and doing like one or two innings and just knowing how to get out of jams. And it'd be, I'm okay with us saying that this season's a wash, get a bunch of these guys as many innings as they can as relievers and see if they can't figure out like a second or third pitch, something they can use to deceive uh, opponents for the, you know, one at bat they face them. And I think, you know, Thornton, Waggis Pack, and then you throw in a guy like Anthony Kay, they're all in their like early tw- early to mid 20s, throw them in the bullpen. Like, we're probably going to lose 100 games anyways. Who gives a shit? Just let's just see what happens. And if they overachieve, well, then, you know, we might actually compete for 500. You think we're going to lose 100 games this year? See, I want to push pause on the pitching talk <laughs> here. And I want to talk about how all this Astro stuff that kind of had a ripple effect on the Red Sox yeah. and a ripple effect on the rest of the AL. The Mets. <laughs> I think the AL is going to be a shit show this year, yeah. which means... It's anyone's game. Hey, the Red the Sox Jays might trade talent. Mookie Betts. The Jays have talent. The Red Sox are kind of a little bit of a dramatic shit show right yeah. now. The Yankees will win. The Yankees are going to be awesome. Yeah. But when it comes to a wild card spot, I mean, it's Same anyone's game. There's a chance. Like, if we start out of the gates hot, you know, we got talent. Yeah. It's young talent, but it's still talent, and maybe our pitching surprises. That's the thing. Our pitching isn't great. Yeah. Our, so, like, we, uh, that's the only bad thing. Our lineup's good, but our pitching isn't great. But at the same time, look what teams like Oakland and teams like Milwaukee mm-hmm. have done with mediocre at best mm-hmm. pitching the last two years. They've so made the playoffs. Maybe. Do, do you still think, I know, Patrick, you just said it, but do you, you still think this year is a wash? I've kind of changed my mind over the past little bit. I used to think that this year was going to be a complete, yeah, My whatever, expectations for this year are a team that wins somewhere between 78 and 85 games. will be either just below 500, mm-hmm. at 500, or just above. I kind of think so, too. I but... think that would be a very successful season. But, again, say they push 85 wins. So what's what's five more mm-hmm. to get my, to 90? And get my close? expectations change for this team when the whole Astros thing happened because the whole ripple effect. It's yeah. just going to be a weird season in the AL. Like, I don't know. Because ever since gonna, that happened, it's just going to be weird. I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. gonna, maybe we're we'll the see. surprising team. But again, Patrick's probably right. We're going to lose like hundred games. <laughs> I don't think we'll no, lose I but. think here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. I like after doing these projections and looking at all the pitching staff, like the potential pitching staff. I actually think our starting pitching is not that bad. Totally. And I know, like, that's not the hallmark of a great ball club. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is that if you look at what we've got here somebody they, they can't all underachieve they can't they're not all going to be failures someone's going to overachieve someone's going to rise above what the expectations are if we just go by these projections yeah the team's probably going to win somewhere between 74 and and 84 games and that's being pretty generous which is fine i say we're going to lose a, a, a hundred games because i don't know i waffle so hard we on are this. baltimore it's, though so we're not going to lose 100 games yeah, I know. And the Thank thing is, God, like, I just Baltimore. waffle hard on this because it's just so hard to figure out what's going to happen because we're a bad defensive team. We have okay contact hitters. They're all young and don't have enough experience. We have enough juicy boys that we could be, you know, we have the pop. It, it just, all this stuff has to go well in order for us to be able to, to float above 500. And I don't know. The Jays always seem to have one really shitty month, and it's usually May. And if we have a shitty May, well, then we're done. There's not going to be meaningful September baseball. So at that point, do you bother calling up Nate Pearson? Do you bother keeping some of these 30-something starting pitchers around? Or do you get them as many starts as you can, showcase them, and then deal them for assets? So, like, if we do that, 
we're just going to have a repeat of last year where we have all these young 20-something guys go out there and get absolutely shelled by the Yankees, give up five, six, seven runs in three innings. And I, I just want to be very clear that I, I want this team to succeed. I just don't know if this is the year where we do it just because our defense is so bad. And I don't know. There's a lot of young guys that got to get experience. Yeah, we get it, man. You hate the Jays. It's awesome. We'll move on. Yeah. yeah it's oh, yeah. yeah. You have no faith in this team, and you want to see him crash and burn. We got it. And that's what I got out of that conversation there. Um, Look, I'm not a Leafs fan. I'm a Jays fan, not Leafs. You were talking Jays. about a guy who would surprise and overachieve, though, and I think this next guy is the guy. I think this is our number five guy, Anthony Kay, the guy who we got in the Strowman trade. I think this could be the guy who overachieves and surprises. We haven't seen too much of him. He's a little bit of a mystery. But maybe this is the guy who lights it up in spring training and takes a job. I'd like to see it. I think I'd really like to see it yeah. because then it kind of also cements that Stroman trade that, hey, at least we got our number five starter, and he's young. But Yeah, no, I, I'm a huge hopeful for Anthony Kay, I guess you could say. I wouldn't say I'm a huge believer, but I, I do like that he's a lefty. I think he along with Hinge and Ryu, is, is probably our second best lefty right now. I mean, we have Ryan Baraki, but again, hasn't pitched really in a full season. He had three starts for us, and then he went right back to the shelf. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a wild card in spring training too. Um, but I, I do like Anthony Kay's stuff. I think future, we see him be like a back-end number three, number four, and then like a high-end number four oh, starter. Yeah. He, is, he is a mid-rotation guy, which is perfect. You need three or four of those guys on your team. Um I, I do hope you're right. I, I want to see Anthony K do well in the spring training and, and give him a chance out of out of out of the camp. I, I think really the first four guys we talked about being Ryu, Shoemaker, Ruark, and Anderson probably have inside tracks on the rotation just because they're veterans. Yeah, I think we all agreed that those guys cemented yeah. as our four. If there's one of those guys who doesn't have a guaranteed spot, it's Shoemaker Easily, just because yeah. of injury mm-hmm. concerns. But so that even if you say Ruark, Ryu, and Anderson are in, that leaves you two spots. That leaves you Shu, K, Wagus Pack, Thornton fighting over that. Maybe even maybe Zoik. Zoik as well. Like you and got like maybe Nate Pearson. Ryan Baraki, <laughs> Nate Pearson. There's seven or eight guys who are going to battle out for those last two theoretically rotation spots. So spring training, there's going to be a lot of shit that goes down, not only on the pitching side, but also looking at outfield and infield backups and whatever else is going to happen. So there actually is a lot to play for for these guys in the spring. But I do agree with you i think this guy could be the one who surprises us and hopefully takes a spot do you see this guy lighting it up in spring training like us patrick or do you have your eyes on someone else for that number five spot no i mean look i I like anthony kane i'd be thrilled if all of what you just described happened he's not my he's not my pick to be the number five guy um one thing that i keep going back and forth on is where ryan barucky fits into this Mm -hmm. rocky of it all I guess you could say, uh-huh. I just don't, I don't know because he's coming off of a pretty severe injury. Um, I, do we have a hundred percent confirmation? He'll be ready for spring training. Do we have that from any, any sort of credible source? Has he said it? Yeah. Ryan Brecky's going to be ready for spring training. Um, Confirmed. As far as I know. Yeah. I saw that they had. Stopped his throwing program before Christmas because he was right on track to be ready for spring training. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I was looking. I, I remember seeing it way back before Christmas, and they said, yeah, he was going to be ready. So, yeah, okay. I, I think we'll be uh, we'll be fine. Well, that's good because 
you know, obviously I want to see the kid's career keep going. <laughs> I'm not as high on him as I used to be because, you know, losing an entire year to a, a major injury and then having to go through rehab and all that stuff. He's young, so it's easier for him to bounce back than someone like Matt Shoemaker. But, like, I don't know. He, he I'm worried about his, his control, and then I'm also worried about, like, his ability to – to pitch 150 innings for a full season because he hasn't really been able to do that yet. What so, if Rocky becomes our setup guy? Hmm. What if he becomes setup to 100 miles Giles? <laughs> I mean... No. I, he's got excellent control. I didn't mean to cut you off there, Justin, but Sean Reed Foley has better gas. I'd much rather see Sean Reed Foley get that yeah. shot. I, I And I think I think Sean Reed Foley will be in the bullpen this season at some point. I I, okay. I mean, I, you guys know I'm a big fan of Sean Reed Foley, but it just hasn't been working out for him as a starting pitcher. If he if he starts off poorly the first three months of the season, they'll see him. We'll see him transition to the bullpen in Buffalo for sure. Yeah, agreed. But I think Anthony Kay's big advantage. He's a lefty. Yeah. So is Ryan Brucky though. Yeah, very true. But I think I think Ryan Brucky's again. He's coming off of injury. Yeah. I so. we liked Ryan Brucky in his rookie season. He's the kind of guy who relies on soft contact mm-hmm. though. Whereas Anthony Kay's at least got a little bit more gas than Ryan Brackey. Mm-hmm. Um, Def- yeah, definitely. Hey, but I mean, I mean, at the same time, it's like they they aren't dissimilar pitchers. Mm-hmm. They, they have some similar qualities. Yeah, uh, and I think we'll see. We're, we're going to see a, a great battle in spring training. I'm pumped. Yeah, and then the last guy on the list, TJ Zoik. Yeah, does he have really any shot? You think? Or is he going to be like? Is he going to be in Buffalo, or is he going to be our bullpen he's guy? He's Buffalo to start, but he's one of the like whoever doesn't make this team out of K, Zoik, Berecki, Thornton. They're the first guy on the bus up from Buffalo if something goes wrong. Yeah, at the start of the season before Nate Pearson's ready. Zoik's kind of like our Buffalo guy. Yeah, he's He'll the Buffalo, Buffalo boy. He's he's be riding that shuttle bus. Yeah, if he's playing for the Jays sometime this year, it's probably trouble injury wise. Trouble, yeah. Or well, we, or we're losing a hundred games. <laughs> anything on Zoik, Patrick? Yeah, uh, I'm thinking he might be the guy. I think he might be that number five. I mean, we have so many number six guys. Someone has to be number five. Hmm. But I think TJ Zoik had an excellent 2019. He exceeded all of uh, everybody's expectations. I don't see why he can't come in and, and just surprise us and be that number five. I don't know. I just have a, f- a feeling I can't quantify it with statistics. The projections are not very friendly to Zoic. Um, granted, they're only working off of 18 innings or something like that. But I think that a lot of the guys we've already talked about are going to the bullpen. But I think Zoic will have a great spring training. And I think that the no-hitter that he threw last year uh, was not a fluke. And I think there's something here. The thing is, you can't back it up with stats. His stats don't fly off the page. There's really nothing to go off. There's not too much to go off of for him. Looks like a ball player, though. Looks like a ball player. Looks like a ball player. <laughs> um, guys, 11 days till pitchers and catchers report. Wow. The offseason in baseball is Fif- so short. 15 days until position players report, mm-hmm. and the first full team workout is in uh, 16 days. Do you think pitchers and catchers like having the whole place to themselves? Oh, probably. Like before all the position guys come yeah, in, right. and then all the position, like there's probably so much space in the facility, yeah. it's quieter, it's more chill. Then the position guys come in, and you're like, oh, fuck. Hey guys, there will be baseball played this month. Spring training games, they're coming. That's exciting. 
It's very exciting. We are, we are less than two months away from opening day. I hate early baseball, though, because like, like the first two weeks, because there are a lot of nobodies out there. Oh, and that's I'm like, fine. And like split squads and yeah. stuff like that. And I'm just, it's hard to keep track of. I love of. spring training. I like the I want to go to half. Florida. You guys want to make like an impromptu trip to Florida? Yeah, buddy on my <laughs> hockey team's going for two oh, weeks man. to Dunedin. I know. Let's go for two weeks. Yeah. That's the dream. I know. I want to go like the last half of spring yeah. training, though, when guys are fighting for spots. Just, and go when, to Montreal, go know? to Big O. Exactly. You know, that's when I like spring training, <laughs> but... I think that's it, boys. A little long of an episode, so I think we'll just cut us off here. But it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this rotation. Uh, again, there's the Nate Pearson factor. There's the who's going to be number uh, five factor. Are we going to stay healthy factor? Can Ryu <laughs> be a true ace factor? There are so many questions around this starting rotation. That's what's nice about our position players. There's not, not a lot of, of questions. There's not a lot of questions out, outside of the outfield. There's not a ton no. of questions going on. And with on. our bullpen, not a lot of questions because it's just a shit show. So yeah, you know it's going to be bad. Our rotation, <laughs> man, it's going to be interesting to watch. That's going to be a fun yeah. storyline. Uh, thanks for listening, whether it be on uh, the iTunes, the Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, all that stuff. As always, big shout out to Blue Jay Aggregator on Twitter for giving us some love. Uh, they're like the Twitter dad, I think, of the Blue Jay Twitterverse. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah. Jesse Barfield's the creepy uncle who's looking in all windows, <laughs> keeping tabs on all the Jays fans. Yeah, he's following everybody. Yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Give us a follow at BFMD Podcast. For Justin, <laughs> for Patrick, uh, see you later. What's the uh, what's the old extra? We're going with uh, a classic. We're going with Wasting My Time by Default. What? Hmm. Oh, boy. Dallas Smith, hey? I love Default. The guy who totally ditched rock and just started doing country. I love Default. True rock star right there. I actually really like Dallas Smith. Hey, Super nice Taylor guy. Swift did the opposite and went to pop. So. Very true. Very true. It happens. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>